Yeah, I mean, that would be the dream um, to be able to make a living racing my bike. Like I've always I've kind of grown up knowing like, OK, can this be something that I do as a career um, in a sense? Mm-hmm. And I mean, looking at it from an average person standpoint, I don't think people quite understand like, yeah, I can make a living racing my bike. But with how social media is going and how the sport is growing here in the U.S., I think there's a lot of opportunity. And I, that would be the dream to, yeah, uh, potentially make, turn it into a full-time job and just race my bike. All right, what up? Welcome to Mijuele Podcast with Truman Glasgow. Grateful for Truman. He is a local pro here in Utah. And whenever there is a, a pro, a, a local cyclist who is just climbing the ranks and making us proud, it is so fun to hear from them, to hear how excited he is. Uh, to, to hear what he's doing and how he's growing and and how he's training, the things that matter most to him. So uh, extreme thanks to Truman. Thankful for the time that he spent here on this podcast along with Chip to share about his life, his story, and uh, what he's got in store for 2024 as he uh, races the, the Lifetime Grand Prix. We hope, fingers crossed, that he gets in for next year and, and represents Utah as well as our great sponsor and partner, Volley. Really fun to see him team up with TJ and Imaginary Collective and uh, all the cool things that, that Volley does with Truman. So uh, thankful for him and Chip on this episode. Such a great time uh, spent together getting to know um, what a, a awesome rider, awesome cyclist. So thanks, Truman. Me and Chip spent a few minutes on the 40th anniversary kit. We are so excited to celebrate 2024 and the 40th anniversary of this team. We have a specialty kit it, it's only for next year. Uh, we'll also have our normal kits, our black kit and our white kit will become available, uh, which absolutely that that's, that store will be opening soon. But the 40th anniversary store is open now. If you haven't seen it, go to the website. It, it's under the membership tab uh, and all the information for paying team dues for next year. The, the Canyons event, our uh, April uh, St. George team camp, all of that is included in team fee as well as um, the instructions on how to order the kit. So really excited. It's It's been a long and a lot of work to create the kit, and hopefully everybody's stoked on it. So, all right, that's it. Enjoy the episode. Thanks for everybody who's who's listening. And uh, obviously, a big thanks to Volley. They're, they're a big part of our team and always have been, uh, not only as, as partners, but, you know, friends, uh, Brad Wiggs and Brian Trapp that came to our team camp. Uh, it, it's so fun to connect with these guys, see them at races, um, have and have their support in everything that we do. They're a huge part of our our raffles at team camp, our giveaways for the Five Canyons Challenge. I mean, Volley is a partner that steps up in every way. So, big shout out to this uh, this great company and partner. And hopefully, you enjoy this episode with Truman. All right, that's it. Bye. All right, welcome everybody. Me Dwelle Podcast. Chip, how are you? Not in your normal setting. Hey, doing so good. Good to be here. Is that a hotel? I'm I'm in a hotel in Oakland, but um, all things are set aside when it's time for Midwelly podcast. <laughs> we don't rest. We have Truman Glasgow with us. Truman, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here, man. We're so excited to have you. Uh, I know it's. I don't want this to be weird, but the Utah cyclists like this team freaking loves 
all of our Utah pros. We rally behind you. We're constantly sharing. And your Instagram page, we'll talk about it, I'm sure. It's like a fun one to follow. So um, <laughs> I appreciate it. I've got to get on my daughter's phone to watch the TikTok stuff that you do, but otherwise, <laughs> pretty awesome. <laughs> is that is does that date us, Chip? I don't want to. Hey, a couple quick announcements. We'll make them quick. Um, the 40th anniversary kits for the team are out. Um, so we released the 2024 kit for the team. It'll be open till November 13th. We hope everybody buys the new, uh, Volley 40th anniversary kit, um, $120 team fee for next year. Chip, do you want to discuss just quickly yeah, where our team, what is our team fee used for? Absolutely. For, uh, full transparency. If you've been with us, even over the last, uh, two years, you've, you've watched it go from. $50 to 100 to 120 and the exact insight into that is as we took over the five canyons event um which costs also $120 per uh normal person to register uh everyone in Midwelly we committed to Midwelly being involved and taking over that event which is uh soon which this past year was the Midwelly five canyons challenge so that enters you automatically into that uh, team camp continues to grow uh, in a in a big and great way. And so uh, essentially, when you're only paying $20 to go to team camp, uh, that Viva chicken bill that we get for hosting everyone, <laughs> as well as all of uh, I mean, everybody listening has has one. Um, gear and prizes from both events uh such as frames gear the high, you know that surpasses any of that dollar amount so uh that's that's the um basis behind it and let me add to that real quickly Stu is uh, as everybody knows we donated to two charities um finishing out this last month just over $5000 to uh, two different charities that work with children uh, that have been involved in child abuse. So yeah, uh, that's where the funding is going. Super. Uh, the, the other beauty of the team fee that maybe you don't understand is that everything that you buy, socks, hats, sweatshirts, and kits are all discounted from both team fee and sponsorship money. So all that goes to pay for Pedal Mafia socks that cost us $15. We sell them to you for 10. It's just like, Full transparency, like Chip said. So anyway, Truman's asleep. He's like, great. <laughs> uh, that's it. Super fun to have Truman, though, uh, because of Olay, as we talk about them, uh, sponsored athlete with Imaginary Collective. Should we talk about that now? Should we talk about that later? How's that? Right I mean, now. Go right now. <laughs> <laughs> so me and Spence just did a photo shoot for Volley last weekend up in Park City. So you you can see us as the models of Volet, but Truman's the one that sells the product. He's the young, <laughs> handsome. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> Whatever, dude. Your kid, your picture on Strava with the rock on, uh, it's like my favorite one. So how has that, that relationship been, Truman? It's been awesome. Um, yeah, the guys at Volet, they're, they're incredible. They, they take care of us. And yeah, it's just a great atmosphere. And then obviously the connection or sponsorship with um, imaginary collective as well. It's just like one big family. We're all a big team. It seems like, so yeah, it's been cool. good. Nice. Um, we, we asked the team on our, our group me thread. There's 
200 cyclists on there. Uh, what, what questions we should ask you? And one asked, well, who is he? And I'm like, bro, so maybe, maybe we should start. Let's start there. The first time I ever saw you, Truman was on the podium at point to point. My wife raced that year and you were up there with like, uh, Lachlan was up there and I'm like, dude, who is this young Utah guy? Uh, and so now this year you won point to point, you won Wasatch all road. Uh, we saw you take 25th at Leadville chip, by the way. Truman's dad has done Leadville 19 times. Oh, man. 19 in a row. That like, is a what? I can imagine this. We have seen the size of the 20 plus buckle. The yeah. He, he's <laughs> <in there>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how many times have you done Leadville, Truman? Um, so officially, I've done it three times. Okay. Um, I did it in 2020 when the race was canceled for mm. the first time, but it wasn't a race. So. I was cool. just out there riding it. <laughs> it was still yeah. just as hard. <laughs> Spence Truman finished six forty one this year at Leadville. I mean, it's hard to Fathom. anyone that has done it. It's hard to just like put that number into uh, to understand it. It's just well, everybody, everybody here has done Crusher. That's listening. Truman raced a four hour thirty four minute Crusher this year. That was a, I will, I do want to say that was a rough day for me on the bike. <laughs> what? So you think you're thinking what 20 minutes faster? What? Well, I don't, I would like, I mean, yeah, that would be ideal. I just went into that week and tapered was feeling good. And then as soon as we hit that first climb, it was like the legs were not there, but right. I, I just dug deep and I was able to pull off that time still, which granted is a solid time, but yeah, I wanted a little more out of that one. So looking forward to next year already. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, you grew up uh, racing Nika for Lone Peak. Um, so down in, down in Utah County, if you follow his Instagram page, huge skier, so fun to watch. Uh, <laughs> and then he's an incredible um, media market. Is that what you're doing? Marketing to, at uh, like media creation? Is that what you're doing right now for, yeah, for school? Did, yeah, I'm going to UVU and uh, studying digital marketing. Okay. And then also do videography on the side. That's kind of what I'm doing for work. To... yeah dude your videos are the best they're so fun i watched that one yesterday your re your like 2022 recap oh yeah yep so good man <laughs> one really of my fun. favorites <laughs> yeah so good um but grateful to have you as part of the uh Voller team and we loved watching you this year with lifetime events um really fun and hopefully we can talk about some of your favorite moments from that but um what about uh i was listening to a podcast with truman today and uh dude i ran a lawn care business growing up too Makes you <laughs> makes you a greedy kid running a lawn care business. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just hope that one day I'm not deaf from. Yeah, uh, no, and that's why I got these. I was gonna throw these on. I got them nice. <laughs> from the, the lawn care business. Very cool. Hey, well, do you want to start real quick? Um, just tell us about your background, your childhood, and and where you came from. Maybe where you started sports, and um, yeah. is that a good place to start? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I grew up in Alpine, Utah. Um, from a young age was always into outdoor sports, whether it was skiing. Um, and then I was riding, always riding my bike outside, building little jumps and stuff, played football and baseball, um, all growing up from like first grade, um, until ninth grade. And then I actually stopped playing football to focus on baseball. Uh, and then sophomore year, and we can go into it later, but I'll just give a brief story, but yeah, I got cut from a baseball team my sophomore year. And I was racing bikes at the time, mm -hmm. um, but not really competitive. I mean, not seriously. 
I was just like, oh, there's a race this weekend. I'll show up and just see what I can do. Uh, but then, yeah, got cut from the team. Just was like, all right, I'm going to focus purely on cycling. Um, I knew that was something I loved doing. And I knew like I'd be in baseball practice kind of thinking about riding my bike uh, <laughs> nice. season prior. So I knew there was something there. But yeah, I started focusing on cycling. And I guess going back a little bit, uh, I did like race there was the local alpine days race that was like the first race that i thought was like the biggest race in the world when i was growing up um remind us that goes up over that goes up over um hog uh, hollow okay i was thinking that that was the that's draper days draper days okay that goes over suncrest but no okay okay yeah, this anyways, yeah. So I grew up like doing that race once a year, but it was just for fun. Like it was I had like a aluminum frame trek, like three by ten or something <laughs> crazy like that. But um yeah, and then just slowly like growing up watching my dad racing Leadville. Um hmm. I was around the sport. I was going to those races, watching him just like chase this goal of his goal was to break nine hours um for a couple years. And eventually he did that. So it was cool to just see him put in the work to achieve that goal. And then I started doing that with him. And my goal was to one day race Leadville. Um, and yeah, now I'm doing Leadville and a bunch of other races. Nice. Truman, what, uh, uh, just to kind of follow up question here, at what point were you, did you know you had a gift, like a skill to, to race were, were you good at suffering or did you I, I mean were you like no i'm skilled at this i'm good at this i mean did you learn from your dad how did it all kind of come together yeah i mean <clears throat> i always grew up like i was always kind of into the extreme sports of, like i love skiing that was one thing and i f- fortunate enough to be able to keep doing that but um yeah so skiing i guess kind of tied into like the cycling of just that adrenaline rush like i loved i loved the downhill is that's where it like started Hmm. and so but of course to ride downhill you got to ride uphill and eventually it kind of (laughs) flip-flopped and i started to enjoy that suffering so slowly but surely just like started enjoying the the work and i think once i i knew like before i stopped playing baseball i knew that i had potential there like i was finishing top 10 in these nike races where I wasn't really putting in much work. I was just riding my bike for fun, like here and there. Um, and so when I got stopped playing baseball, I was like, all right, I'm going to go all in. And that's kind of when I realized like, okay, that first season, like of just full commitment and nice. given it everything I recognize, like, okay, I think I, I have a shot at this. I just got to put in the work and keep rolling with it. That's cool. You, you know, you're talking to a lot of dads, my age, Chip's age with kids coming up through the NICA program. And on the podcast, I just listened to you on, you talked a lot about how your dad was not, he was supportive once he knew you were committed to the sport. Um, I I thought that was a really cool perspective of not trying to force it on you or you still, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I just saying you feel that way. I mean, was that a good technique? Teach us dads. uh, Don't don't get me wrong. He was supportive. Like, whatever I wanted to do, he was going to support, but he just wanted like, he wanted to know with this sport that I wanted it enough to like go out and um, make enough money to buy my own bike and really just like 
do the training, not just like have him go and buy me the best bike. And then here I am given this really nice bike and I don't even care to train or like work mm-hmm. towards yeah. that goal of being fast, I guess, or whatever, whatever it is that you're working towards. And so, yeah, I, uh, I like that he wasn't like, he was just supportive and he was willing to help me in whatever it is that I w- wanted to do and wanted to achieve. But when it came to like that phase of, uh, going away from baseball and focusing on the cycling aspect, he just wanted to see that I wanted it. And then he was like, all right, like I'm, I'm here to help you. So cool. Nice. Chip, you want to ask Charles's question? Yes. I am so excited to ask this question. (laughs) Herman, there's this video of you jumping (laughs) from your bike onto your skateboard. Um, And you do the, you do the kick flip and then you jump, you get back onto your bike. Um, were you just messing around and trying to feel like, can I do this? Was it a challenge or I, I think I'm going to be honest. I think I saw it somewhere on Instagram and like a couple, it was like during the winter time. And I remember seeing, I was like, man, that would be like so sweet to do, but it was snowing outside. I'm like, I can't get my skateboard wet. (laughs) Um, but yeah, then just one spring day, one of my buddies, we were going out for a training ride and skateboarders in the garage. I'm like, dude, let's just like, let me see if I can do this. Like, let's see how hard it is. And I only had a few tries because I didn't want to scuff the S-Work shoes. So <laughs> what? that was the question is how many tries did it take? Yeah, it, it was, I actually got it first try, but uh, we weren't filming. Mm-hmm. And it took like I think like four or five more tries and I got it. And then we were, he, my buddy was getting antsy. He's like, let's get out on the ride, dude. Like, Let's go. So oh. the pressure was on to, to stick it. <laughs> that was the, the only part of the video that just blows my mind is that you're in, you're not doing it in flats. You're like in cycling. In cleats, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Dude. Um, everybody wanted to know what's your, what's your typical day look like? What is a guy who races at the level that you race? Like, what are you doing day to day? Yeah. Um, I actually have a pretty good setup right now with, um, work where I'm working for this cold plunge company called King cool plunge. I mean, they're one of my main clients, I guess. Um, I do freelance videography, but a lot of my focus goes towards them. And they, so I'm from day to day, it's usually just like filming, editing, um, or most days it's editing and just posting stuff to their social medias. And then that allows me to not be on my feet and, um, allows me to train, um, when I'm done with whatever I have to get done. And then, yeah, so day to day, it's like, wake up. I like to ride in the mornings when it's not 30 degrees outside. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, to, I kind of base my, the time of day that I ride, um, based off temperature outside is the biggest thing I can ride it early in the morning. If I need to, if it's hot, if it's going to be 110 degrees, like I'm getting up at 6am if I have to, but, um, yeah, kind of all over the place with what I do from day to day is usually just editing, um, filming when needed and then writing. Nice. That's pretty good. Cool. When, when you are out riding, um, we do we do see you riding with TJ. That looks like a good time riding with with TJ. But who are you typically riding with? Who are you training with? Do you have a a local coach that you're now really dialing it in with? Yeah. So 
yeah, t- first off, riding with TJ is a blast. He's just always bringing good energy, always stoked, cr- just thinking of ideas, what we can do for next year or whatever, like just, yeah, brainstorming stuff like that. It's fun to ride with him. Um, Getting on his knee and asking someone so, to marry him in the middle of like a giant race, just like proposing marriage during the giant race. Yeah, that was that was unique. He told me that <laughs> idea before he was doing it. He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna pretend I got a flat and oh my, God. I'm gonna propose." So sorry to cut you oh, off. Sorry, Trevor. No, you're good. Um, but yeah, no. So I don't actually train with people usually. I'm. I guess introverted in that way. <laughs> I'm a pretty extroverted person, but when it comes to training, like I just like to ride by myself. Um, it's easier that way with my schedule being flexible. I'm kind of like, okay, I can go ride right now. Um, or it's going to be, maybe I'm riding later in the evening, um, just depending on what's going on that day. So a lot of my riding is done alone and I'll just put in the podcast, listen to music. I like it. It's my, it's kind of my time in a sense. Um, but yeah. And then as far as coaching goes, I'm not being coached right now. And it's kind of, I've been on and off. I got a coach in 2019 for the first time or beginning, like towards the end of 2018 was when I first had a coach, had him for about a year and a half. And then I, uh, decided I actually went on a mission and came back. And then from there, I was just like kind of getting back into writing. I wasn't being coached. Um, and I, yeah, just kind of like started doing, I mean, it was during COVID when I got back. And so a lot of my training was based off of chasing KOMs. Cause that was like the, I mean, everyone in Utah County was like, someone would get a KOM and then like 10 guys would go and try and take it the next day. Yeah. Yeah. And so it created this like friendly competition, um, with all the racing um being at a standstill it was like just go and see who could get this KOM. there was one it was the mouth of af canyon to um the gate above silver lake so it was like half road half dirt mm. so to the end is too chunky to do it on a gravel bike so like the fastest bike was your mountain bike mm. and it's an hour like an hour and a half long and so if you went for it and got it like and then someone took it from you like i gotta go do that like hour and a half long climb again like <laughs> Not, it was just a lot of fun back and forth with these guys and it really created like that competitive edge during covid which was awesome that's fun and kind of got me back into shape um in a sense and then i yeah started just kind of coaching myself in a sense like i use a whoop that helps me monitor my sleep i'm pretty in tune with my body as far as like okay i feel run down today i need to take a day off or okay i can really push it um and so then I raced all 2022 without a coach and tour. I think it was December of last year. I was like, all right, I should probably get back on the coaching thing and just have someone watching hmm. my um, workouts and monitoring me. And so I got a coach um, and we worked together until I think May of this year. And I just, I was getting sick more than normal um, in the early early season of this year, huh. which led to a rough start of the 2023 season. Um, I just didn't feel like myself on the bike. Um, I'd be like an hour or two into races and just have nothing in the tank, which wasn't like me. I, I enjoy the longer distance races. And so usually 
do that. Second hour comes around and I'm like, all right, like I'm settled in, like, let's go. But yeah, I just wasn't feeling like myself and decided that I needed to make some changes. And so one of the things was just going back to doing what I was doing before, which is like um, listening to my body, just racing or training based off of feel. Um, and I know the structure um, based from having past coaches. And so I, yeah, went away from that in May and I've just been doing that since. And I, the end of the season ended well for me. I've stayed healthy since then, which has been awesome. And yeah. Dude, great advice. Really wise. That's cool. Very smart. Um, and I saw you mention, I mean, you've mentioned that a few times with <clears throat> just listening better to what you're doing. There's a lot of overtraining that goes on in this sport. So that was cool. Very smart. Yeah. Hey, when you look back on like where you are now as, as a person, who is it that's kind of molded you to who you are and, and the passions that you have? And um, just like, do you have a mentor or hero or somebody that you look to? Yeah, definitely <laughs> my older brother, Spencer. Um, he's been a big influence on me. We're five years apart, but really close. Um, a lot of the same hobbies. And it, I think whatever hobby he would get into growing up, I was always following in his footsteps, whether it was um, skiing or dirt biking, mountain biking, like, or whatever he was doing for work. Like I was kind of just following in his footsteps and trying to keep up with big brother. Um, and so, yeah, I think he's, he's definitely played a, a big role um, in where I am today. And yeah, it's just definitely a stud. Like he also races bikes and yeah, it's, it's been, it's been awesome being able to follow in his footsteps. <laughs> you guys are still close. Yeah. Yep. Very cool. Is he like a big, is he like a big older brother or is he like the same size as you older brother? Um, <laughs> he's got a, he's got like two or three inches on me, but okay. he's, we're, we're similar size. Like, does he know his place? Does he know you can just like smoke him? <laughs> he doesn't, he likes to, he likes to talk about the races that he's beat me in. Oh, okay. I see. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, he's, he's taken some time off, um, the past year or so. So he hasn't been in the in the race scene for a little bit, but I think he'll, he's back. He'll be, he'll be cool. fast and right up there with me. All right. Sorry, Spencer. I didn't, I'm sure he's listening. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so from now on to professional racing is, is this going to be your, I mean, your future, like how, tell us why. And, and is it just like you are so in love with it right now? It is just going to, catapult you into the next five, 10 years. Is that what you foresee? We love seeing you out there. What, what, what do we yeah. expect from you over the next? Yeah. I mean, that would be the dream um, to be able to make a living racing my bike. Like I've always, I've kind of grown up knowing like, okay, can this be something that I do as a career um, in a sense? Mm -hmm. And I mean, looking at it from an average person standpoint, I don't think people quite understand like yeah i can make a living racing my bike but with how social media is going and how the sport is growing here in the u.s i think there's a lot of opportunity and i that would be the dream to yeah uh potentially make, turn it into a full-time job and just race my bike um but in the meantime like i am going to school um i'm working to yeah just help support myself and um yeah, that's, I mean, if, yeah, if I can make it happen, I'd love to make it happen. So I'm kind of just, I mean, I'm young. I, 
I'm not afraid to like go all in and fail at this point in my life. Like I'm only 23. And so if it doesn't work out, like I'll have those things to fall back on. And yeah. Nice. Cool. Could you give us maybe a short history of 2021, 2022, 2023, like how you kind of crafted these last three years when it ca- when it comes to your races and, and becoming professional? Yeah. Um, so yeah, 2021, I believe was my, or no, last year was my last year of U23. Um, and going back to 2021, I was kind of fo- still following the shorter distance races, um, like the Pro XCTs um, throughout the country, like doing it. Um, doing soldier hollow that is one of the main races and i there was a place for me there like i would finish there's one race i finished like top i think i finished 11th it was just outside the top 10 and u23 races with pro until nationals um for mountain biking i don't know if it's the same on the road but um and then i was going to the national championships that year in the year in 2022 as well out in winter park and i just never quite really put together a good race i'm in the u23 field i just had i don't know if it was the elevation that was getting to me and doing those hour and a half hard efforts Mm -hmm. that just i couldn't quite crack but yeah i uh was doing shorter races and then slowly but surely like yeah i did leadville 2021 did it in 2022 um race the grand junction off-road race I think it's called Grand Junction Rides and Vibes now. They're 50 mile or off-road. Um, and I I always knew I was better suited for the longer distance races. And so once like the Lifetime Grand Prix came out, it kind of like hmm. pushed everyone into those longer distance races. And that made it more competitive for sure. Like had like I my first year I did Leadville, I took 18th and I did like a 701. I believe it was my time. Wow. And then that's crazy. The, the last sorry, go ahead. No, I'm saying like you raced it like 30 minutes faster. <laughs> yeah. So that that time I did I took 18th, which is my best result. But then these last two years with just the amount of eyes that have um been put on that race and the uh yeah. hits that show up to it, like i the result hasn't been as good, but like on paper, like I'm, my time's way faster. Um, right. I'm right up there with these guys. And so it's definitely making these longer distance races more competitive, which I love because I enjoy them more. <laughs> um, but yeah, then I guess 2023, I guess this year I kind of stepped away from the uh, pro XCTs. I didn't actually do any of them this year. I was going to do the one in Soldier Hollow, but I, I ended up being out of town. And then I didn't go to nationals because I'm now racing pro. Um, and yeah, just all these guys are more focused on the lifetime races. And I wasn't a part of the Grand Prix this year, but I actually ended up going to five out of the seven races. And um, yeah, just that feel, that level of competitiveness is just something else. Like you can't have an off day. If you have an off day there, like you're off the back. Yeah. 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 Talk about the top 10. I was just uh, talking, let's talk about the top 10 and what it takes to finish the lifetime Grand Prix in the top 10. I was just reading an article today on Keegan and um, the female and the male side of 
the top 10. And it's so impressive, not only for what it's done to for American racing, because and but professional racing, for dirt and gravel racing in general. Um, but uh, man, like you're saying, these are some uh, of the world's strongest athletes in on bikes. Yeah, man. We yeah, the, the we want to know what like can you break the top ten? What does it take to be in that top ten? Like, what do you think? Yeah, I mean it's a good time to ask that question. I actually just coming <laughs> off a of big sugar gravel this yep. past weekend. And I uh had a goal of going in there with in hopes of getting a good result. Um just to help because I applied for the Grand Prix again this year. Nice. Uh, cross my fingers I get in, but um yeah i had a i was putting pressure on myself just to perform well at this race because i hadn't really put together a result in my mind that was what i wanted that, that i felt like i was capable of i'm um, just having bad luck at races um whether it's not feeling good on the bike or crashing or flooding or whatever like i hadn't had a whole lot of luck, good luck and so i went into this one with that mindset of like all right i i want to go finish in the top 10 and this race is it's mandatory for everyone in the Grand Prix to be there. So I believe all 35 racers are there. And I knew I had my work cut out for me. Um, and not seeing the course prior to the race, I just all I knew was that there's a lot of sharp rocks out there and it's rolling hills, which doesn't I enjoy the longer climbs. I love like the one one hour plus climbs. I really just settle in there and can um I didn't it suits me living here in utah yeah and so i didn't really know what to expect and i just knew i wanted to be up there in the front uh especially with gravel racing like i don't have a road background at all i think i've only done one road race which i enjoyed but i don't have a road bike so i was i was actually on my gravel bike with the slicks <laughs> but yeah i lost in a sprint with like 10 guys for third on your <laughs> gravel yeah. but uh but yeah i uh I'm learning the tactics, the just when to sit in, what moves to cover, whatnot. And um, so, yeah, I went into this race this weekend in hopes of breaking top 10. And around mile 33, I flatted. Um, I was, it was a puncture on the top of my tire, which I haven't had. Hmm. And I got off the bike pretty quick, pulled out a plug because the sealant wasn't, wasn't uh, filling the hole, plugged it, started riding again. As soon as I started rolling, it just like moved the plug and started spraying everywhere. Mm. So I was like, all right, I got to put another plug in. So I put another plug in, let the sealant like fill it out. And at that point, I'd lost so much tire pressure that I had to get the CO2 out. So I lost I think around a minute and a half, two minutes. And the lead group rode through, Chase, uh, the Chase group rode through. And then Chase number three, or Chase two, I guess, was coming by. And I hopped on my bike right in front of them. And I looked back, I was like, yeah, I could wait for those guys or... I could keep rolling. Um, and I just kind of put my head down and they didn't ride onto me. I ended up closing the gap to that chase group just right off the lead pack and then closing the gap in there. And sorry, I'm giving you a long, long answer. No, to this. this is good. This is what we love. This is what but, we love. Uh, but yeah, close the gap. And then I was pretty determined to get back on that lead group because there was still a, a good amount of guys in there. And so I ended up doing a good, I 
solid amount of work up front with like two other guys. No one else really wanted to work. And so and just like put my head down and we came around a corner and saw them. I'm like, all right, like they're there. Let's go. And so nice. uh, me and uh, Carter Anderson, I think one other guy, we were the ones just like uh, doing the work and eventually closed the gap down on them. And I was back in the lead group. I'm like, all right, like I just need to, I need to sit in. Like I had two ways to think about things. I could either think like, I just did a lot of work and I'm going to be blown because we're only like 40 miles into the race at this point. Hmm. Or I could look at it like, okay, like I just closed a huge gap and I have really good legs. And so that was my, more my mindset. And that ended up maybe hurting me a little bit. I was pretty hungry to just like prove that I could be up there. And I was sitting up towards the front a lot more than I should have having flooded, I think. Um, if you guys told me after the race, they're like, yeah, dude, you could have milked that and said like, you were you, like, you flatted, you're not doing any work. You just chase back on. So I'm learning, but, uh, yeah. And then once I think it was just a lot of like, no one wanted to do work. Cause there was one guy off the front mm-hmm. and it was like me, Keegan and Cole Patton, and maybe one or two others that were really like, if we weren't working, we were sitting up and no one was moving, like really paddling. And so I, I there was a climb around mile 65 and Keegan went to the front, locked out his uh, gravel shock and just like, I knew I, knew I was in trouble. <laughs> I saw him reach down and lock the thing out. I knew it was like, all right, like, here we go. Let's hold on. And I wrote, I stayed there for just a little bit, ended up getting spit out the back. Hmm. I th- think part of it was just the effort that I had done to get back onto that group. Um, but ended up rolling across the line in 13th, which was just right outside awesome. the top 10 and actually rode. There were two guys with me when we crossed the line. Um, just, I mean, they barely got me on the last climb going into the finish. So yeah, right there. I feel like, um, there's potential to break the top 10 and I know I'm capable of it just with how I felt on the bike on Saturday or yeah, on Saturday. But yeah, I mean, regarding the, the question, long long story short, what it takes to get into the, or to break the top ten is just it's a good day on the bike. You got to feel good. You got to have no, hopefully, no bad luck, like flat tires or anything. And you can still be there with flat tires. I know Alexi Vermillion, who that dude's a freak. Um, <laughs> he he flatted at a pretty crucial point in the race and ended up losing the lead group and rode to third. So wow. Um, yeah, there's there's a a lot that goes into breaking that top ten because anyone I believe in that in the Grand Prix series can be up there. Um nice in that top ten pack. So nice. When when you look at all the events you did this year or last year, is there is there one I mean, this one's sound is there one where you look where either you look back and you're like, Oh, I love point to points my jam, like that's where I'm gonna win. Or is it like when I go to Crusher, uh I love the, is there, is there a place or an event or like favorite place, favorite memories for you? Yeah. I mean, definitely. I, in my opinion, point to point or point to point is my favorite race. I just love racing single track Hmm. and single track for a long period of time is even better. Like that I come from that XC background and Hmm. so the downhills, they, they suit me well. I'm able to recover, but also, um, just let it open on the descents and then settling in on the steep climbs and 
still having it be punchy, like it all, it all just suits me very well. So yeah, point to point is definitely, I would say one of my favorites. Um, and then I can't, I can't not say Leadville. Leadville's up there. That one's hard, but just like with how big it is, I love that event, the town, the story behind it, everything like it's, it's all incredible. And starting, there's something about starting at 10,000 feet above sea level <laughs> and never going below it. Like, it's yeah, it's a it's a unique race as well. Oh, you, gotta, you gotta dig deep, Chip. You yes. gotta <laughs> you gotta commit that you'll not quit. <laughs> yep, he knows. <laughs> you, you start with a shotgun. I mean, <laughs> yeah. um, Truman, you talked a little bit about Keegan. Who's going to who's going to challenge Keegan in the years to come? Um and what a cool opportunity that what you just shared right there to be side by side him. And he takes so off. Fun. He's, he's been a local favorite as well for us to watch. And you're, you're in that mix with them. So first of all, hats off for that. And then uh, who, how does, how does challenging him look over the next few years? Yeah. Um. I mean, there's a lot of guys. I don't want to yeah. pinpoint anyone because I mean, there's guys that are in the, like, um that could come out next season swinging and like you'd never you'd never see him coming they could be a mid-pack finisher and here they are like it's just that consistency um i will say like this i'm from watching this year alexi vermillion he's a guy that's right there and i think uh he's yeah very strong um but the yeah, i would say anyone in the top 10 at majority of these races are guys that could challenge challenge him not mm-hmm. that like i mean keegan's so dialed with everything and the fact that he's been able to win this many races like that consistently is just unheard of i feel like in this um in this series but i mean he's got it going for him and yeah hats off to him because he's he deserves it he puts in the work i mean you see it like you look how many miles he has on the year it's yeah it's next level yeah, there was a few days there this summer where I'm like, he was doing like back to back to back, like 140 mile loops around Hennifer. Yeah. Yeah. And I try to explain to people that like, just... don't understand it as much like, yeah, I could go out and ride 15,000 miles on the year this next year, but I would be overtrained. Like it, it builds from year to year. Mm-hmm. And I think just slowly but surely, like building that fitness is, I guess the the way I look at it and I can't copy and paste what he's doing. I got to do what works for me. And Smart. so, and I think that's with anyone that's working towards getting faster. Like you got to do what works for you. Yeah. And yeah. Follow that. Cool. Um, has there been any significant challenges Truman that you faced over the years um, that you look back and you're like, this made me a better man or I overcame this or, um, I, I know that in that podcast, I listened to you earlier today, uh, you talked about Epstein Barr, that virus that you had when you're in high school. Is there anything else when you look back that has kind of shaped that challenges that have shaped you? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely been just, I mean, plenty of setbacks along the way, um, in past, over the past couple of years, whether it's like illness right before a big race or injury, um, the biggest thing is just I like part of me fears getting sick before a big mm. race. And so yeah. I 
I like to procrastinate signing up for races because I fear like <laughs> signing up and not showing up. But uh, no, yeah, I think just the biggest thing for me has been trying to stay healthy. Uh, um, if I can stay healthy, I, I'm a lot happier um, and able to stay in better shape. And with that has allowed me to just really listen to my body and know when I got to like take a step back and let the body recover. Um, and so, yeah, that's been the biggest thing that's helped me just, I guess, get fast on the bike is really listening to myself. And if I don't feel like riding my bike that day, like maybe I shouldn't be riding my bike. And I know I can tell the difference between like, okay, I'm like, I'm feeling tired. Like this ride's going to be a grind today. We're like, okay, there might be illness coming on. Like, it's just a matter of really kind of knowing that. And I guess with being sick so much, it's allowed me to be able to tell the difference between, between the two. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Yeah. It's uh, I wear the whoop too. Sometimes it's funny to judge um, how I feel before I look at the recovery score. Um, yeah. Sometimes I'm off. Sometimes it's right yeah, on. Yeah. It's not, it's not perfect, but it definitely, for me, at least it's a good like gauge. I yeah. feel like there's kind of a range of like, all right, I'm in this range. And there's some days where like, yeah, I'll be in the green two days after Leadville. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> like I'm going to be in the hole for a few weeks. But, <laughs> but no, yeah, there's definitely like, and then watching my sleep and just seeing like, okay, I thought I got seven hours of, or eight hours of sleep last night, but I actually only got like six hours and 45 minutes or whatever. Cause there's that awake time. Yeah. Um, And so that has just allowed me to like really prioritize my sleep, which prevents illness um and just staying healthy so that's been a big help as well um you know a lot of us don't get to ride with guys like you don't get a big head trimming but (laughs) we are uh uh we love to learn from everybody that comes on um so maybe we'll take a few like just a few questions here about advice or wisdom um i'd like to start chip you can kind of follow this up but i have a nike racer she's a sophomore I feel like maybe you were, you're pretty close to that experience. What advice would you give if you were coaching a NICA team right now? Like what, what, what tips would you give to young high school kids getting into cycling? And they're like, I want to be serious. I I don't, uh, I've got to go. Well, what would you say to young Truman uh, looking at his new high school career? Yeah, no, that's a a good question. Um, I would definitely tell him to keep it fun that's been the biggest thing um for me and it's so easy in this sport to get caught up in the numbers and the data all the data and what helmets faster and what pedals are lighter and what wheels are lighter like there's so many <laughs> things you can really really get caught up in and that can be overwhelming especially as a high school athlete and and just trying to figure out the sport um so yeah i would just say like keep it fun don't worry about all that crazy data like you'll get there eventually and maybe you don't even want to like look at the like you don't want to have those numbers or that stress of worrying how much your bike weighs and is it lighter than this guy's and if it's not i'm not going to be as fast as him like the sport is what you make of it and the biggest thing for me has just been keeping it fun if i feel like riding my mountain bike then i'm going to go ride my mountain bike um if i feel like just chasing a KOM up AF Canyon or something like I'm going to go chase a KOM. Like it's, it's those things that for me, at least that make it fun and 
that's what keeps me going, I guess. Great advice. Cool. Any follow-up there, Chip? Uh, I have the same <clears throat> kid in Nike Racing. Stu and I are both coaching, so those words are very applicable to those that we work with. But same with uh, all of those on our team. I feel like the same applies for those of us that are working and and just have this passion for cycling that the importance of it is to have it have a good time and and enjoy it um man truman we love that you're a a local legend and and hearing from you here today and and your uh words of wisdom are just awesome yeah man hey if if you were to um i mean our guy we're we're pretty split like me and chip are older dads we're still concerned about we want to be fit we want to trade hard um but the spectrum in our team is we have some pretty serious racers as well as some guys who are it's all for fun um when you look at what makes you successful um what what like let's say we're on a group ride or something what would you say to an a, a guy who wants to be better at racing wants to compete what what advice is are you being are you sharing there when it comes to training or getting better? I think the biggest thing is, and it sounds cliche to say, but um, falling in love with the process of the training. Um, it's the the training that allows you to become a better racer, and if you really can enjoy that and are willing to put in the work, um, come race day, I believe it'll pay off. Um, and then also doing more racing, like that's another thing, like that gets me motivated. No matter no matter the race, like whether I do good or bad, and whether I DNF, whatever it is, like I always come away from it hungry, and taking away what I've learned from that race and applying it to my training for the next few months, working towards the next race. Like it's yeah, that process of just um, the ups and downs and learning and all that, like can really help um i guess motivate you to keep going i love that if that makes sense <laughs> yeah it does good um for, for go ahead, young Chip. truman for being young you you have some very <laughs> great advice i would say <laughs> i appreciate it <laughs> yeah right when we're on here chip doesn't it feel like i mean we're like the same age we're like the same age <laughs> <Right>? as truman <laughs> i am impressed i am impressed with truman i think everyone is impressed listening to this Okay, man. So what's next? What's coming up? So you apply for Grand Prix. What do you hope is uh, in the, in the future? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in a weird spot right now where I feel like I should be taking an off season um, as far as like not being on my bike. And I've taken the last few days off just to kind of let the body recover from last weekend's race. Um, I'll probably race a few cross races, uh, just local ones, the UTCX races uh, here in Utah. Okay. And then I lie, I would like to take my off season late November and just take a few weeks off the bike. Don't even think about it. Just enjoy that time off, um, reset, ride my moto, uh, maybe do a little backcountry skiing, just cross train. And then, yeah, I'll get back on the bike in December and start working towards next year and building that base. And I guess we'll find out um, here in a few weeks whether I get into the Grand Prix. Um, and I'm not going to like whether or not I get in, I'm not going to let that determine my year for the next year. I think I'll still want to be in most of those races. 
and competing with those guys because that field is is very competitive and so yeah i definitely i uh plan to do that and then yeah just i a similar schedule to this year maybe do a little more gravel racing just to get more experience maybe i would love to hit some road races figure that out that side of things out because <laughs> i know those the road guys know what they're doing in the in the um in the gravel races at least they know what it's just instinct whether to close a gap or not and whether to sit in like so yeah just um still a lot of learning for me to learn <laughs> a lot of learning i need to do but yeah looking forward to uh next year already and just hopefully building off of the end of this season and taking it into next year nice cool um whenever i see hannah finchamp training chip you're the same i like become a like a my wife describes it as i'm like an idiot like i i'm i'm always like and i don't think she ever really knows i don't think she still knows that it's me <laughs> it's so funny it's not funny and, and it's so fun too <laughs> so true okay when we see you out when i see you a crusher when we see you, like what what am i gonna yell am i gonna am i am i yelling never give up like what do you want me so so we can oh, connect man. what am i saying <laughs> oh no uh, we normally just scream we just, you, if you scream, I'll give you a smile back. Unless I'm just <laughs> in the pain cave. I'll, I, I love. I'm always trying to cheer people on, smile, tell them good job. Like I smiling is something that like just kind of. I don't know. People see me smiling in the group and throws them off a little bit. And so nice. I don't know. It kind of makes me not think about things. But yeah, you can holler whatever you want. All right. I'll. I'll uh, <laughs> I'll appreciate it. Just getting the, getting the yell. Like who is that grown adult? Like yeah, losing his mind over. <laughs> I looked at our flybys, um, on Leadville. So you came down Columbine. We pat you passed me. Oh man. I was almost to that awful, like single track part by the time that you were passing me. That is, uh, <laughs> it, what a day. I hope we can do that again. Chip, will you ever do it again? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing it again. It, this was a nice year off, though. Yeah, it was. How many nice. times have you guys done it? I've done it twice. Chip's done it once. Okay, right on. Do you guys are you more are you guys more in the road scene or do you do are you everything yeah, everything um, gravel mountain bike road? Yeah, well, Spence has a Spence has a life philosophy that when one if it gets boring, you just buy a new bike and then that's exciting again. You I like I like that. <laughs> It's a good way to live. Yeah. So, so when road biking gets boring, we just we just pick up new bikes. So <laughs> that's awesome. Cool. Truman, you're the man, dude. Thanks so much. Uh, it's fun to meet you. Fun to be on here with you. So yeah, all the thank best. you guys. Appreciate Chip, it. Chip, anything else? Oh, thanks so much. Okay, guys. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Grateful for you, Truman. Good luck, 2024, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. You guys are awesome. See you guys. <laughs>